Welcome to See Me After Class. This is a podcast by two New Zealand secondary school teachers based in the Southern Alps of New Zealand. We operate out of classrooms that look out over the most stunning mountain ranges in the bottom of the South Island. And it's my pleasure to introduce Renee Plunkett, who is a fourth year English teacher. And sitting here with me is Chris War, a teacher with 17 years under his belt from both overseas and here in New Zealand. And Renee, apart from being a teacher, is also an avid gardener. And Chris also enjoys triathlon. This podcast is about the day-to-day realities and joys and sometimes horrors of our teaching experience in the classroom. So we invite you to listen in and we invite you to give us feedback on what you hear. This is... See me after class. Welcome to week eight and episode eight. Today we talk about Relay for Life. We talk about why teach Shakespeare and the thing about employability of students. We talk about students volunteering in the community and with Liz Breslin we discuss how you might measure that kind of altruism. Well, we're halfway through the school week, Renee, and over the weekend you were awake for 24 hours with the Relay for Life. How did did it go? (laughs) I was, yeah. Um, I'm feeling it today a little bit, more so than I did um, previously during the week. I don't know why today it just decided to catch up with me. Um, It was outstanding. It really was. It was... um, for those of you who don't know what the Relay for Life is, it's a 24-hour event where teams walk around a track and they raise money for the Cancer Society. Um, and we had just over 80 students participating in this event and just being there for that time with them, um, seeing how they dealt with being tired and grumpy but still having to, to work together um, and watching them come through, that was really rewarding for me. Um, they, they did outstandingly well. Yeah, and it definitely fits in that whole ethos of volunteerism on lots of levels. It does, it? yeah, it does, and I think it's really. I think events like this are really important for our kids to, to just have the opportunity to be involved with, to see how these, to see how volunteering works outside of um, possibly school. I don't want to say the real world because I'll trigger Chris. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, uh, you're getting to know my triggers very well. <laughs> <laughs> but just how to be part of a community that comes together to support something like that. I think it's important for them to to see how that works and to get the chance to be involved with it. Yeah, that uh, kind of complex situation where you're doing something for the benefit of others but mm. you accrue significant benefits to yourself at the same time. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And I, I think they did. I think I think they really started, especially um, just the comments I've had this week from some students, you know, they just sort of said to me, I'm really glad we were part of that. One student told me it might be the event of the year. Ah, mm. well, it's a bit too early to call I, it, but I'm pretty happy if they're thinking it's going to be that and fine. not their blimmin' they're formal. formal. <laughs> <laughs> the thing they're talking about at the moment. Yeah. What dress are you wearing? Who are you going with? Oh, it's months away and they haven't, that's all they're thinking about. Oh, oh. The sort of reinforcement of heterosexist norms, the kind of commodification, <sighs> the, uh, the, the appearances over everything else stuff. All troubles me. I know, I know. And yet they love it, don't they? They do, they get so invested in it. Or do they love it? They might not love it. Maybe they're just kind of... Pretending that they love it so uh, that they don't look out of place. (laughs) Or that's right, or unable to withstand it. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. very true. But it's definitely on their minds now. Yeah. 
So uh, on that subject of volunteerism, actually this day we're going to be speaking also to Liz Breslin, who within the school has the role of coordinating our volunteer program, which is quite a unique program. Mm. All year 13 students in the school are required to perform volunteering work outside of the context of their schoolwork um, as part of a, a program called Students in the Community, and she's going to tell us all about that. She's um, She's got a really cool wee website up and running for Students in the Community, and I noticed last week she sent through an email link and it was a picture of some students um, who were taking some elderly residents out for a walk and that's going to be their weekly um, get together with those ladies and it it's, it's just really delightful to see some of those things coming through. It is really nice, yeah. especially when you look at the kids and you know what they're like as students and young people. And, <laughs> and then, then you, you s- see them out there and it's like, oh. And it's actually very good for our perception of them yeah. to see them doing that stuff, Absolutely. actually. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, so I'll leave most of the discussion to that till when Liz is here. Liz is also working with us on developing some micro-credentials for the school to reward and acknowledge the work of volunteerism Mm. that happens in Mm. the school. So that's going to be an interesting part of the conversation. Absolutely. We're really looking forward to it. So how have things been in class for you this week? Good. It's a short week down here. We have um, Monday was a public holiday for us, it was a Targo anniversary. So I sort of feel slightly off balance I guess as I do with any short week um my year 10s are still we've finished reading Romeo and Juliet but they're still exploring some of the ideas within it and this week I set up an activity where I had 12 different um facts I guess or points about um a a woman's role in Elizabethan England and they had to decide whether those things were true or false and they had no we hadn't really talked about this before it was fascinating to see what they thought wasn't real mm. did they use some of the information in the play itself as cues to answer the they questions they did eventually it took right. them a little while to sort of get there but um, in particular we have one young girl from um, Southeast Asia in our class and it was interesting, she's been very quiet, she's very new to the school, but she ended up speaking up about some of her own um, experiences with talking with her grandmother about some of the things we're talking about, in particular um, the providing a dowry for marriage. And the whole class was quite um, taken aback. I, didn't think, I don't think they thought that these things existed outside of their little bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a really good, a great moment for them. But they did end up making the connection between what we were talking about and Juliet, our main character of Romeo and Juliet. Does definitely help to explain some of her actions when they understand context, Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then if you can get into that conversation about how context drives a lot of our actions and how things that we might find difficult to understand are much easier to understand when you we, understand the conditions that, that surround them. Absolutely, yeah. 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 It was... Um, it was a really, it was a really fascinating moment just to see them eventually put all the pieces together. It was quite interesting. We're at week eight I'm in my class. Where we're, are you up to? We're in Act Three, so <laughs> we've still got quite a lot of reading to do. You do. I move so slowly compared to everyone else with the teaching. Like we get through one scene if we're lucky in a period, and yeah. around that, a lot of this conversation that you're now having, we have as we go. It's just a different yes, approach. It is. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I. I definitely stop and take time to to chat with the kids while we're reading, mm. um, but it does. I I do tend to to focus more heavily on that at the end. Mm. Yeah. Um, and actually, this we teach Shakespeare quite a lot, and we mm. often start our programs with a Shakespearean text. Often the 
yeah. text then kind of defines the direction of the program. It does. Like my program at Year 10 with the Romeo and Juliet crew is uh, dealing with this notion of paradox. So I think there's a lot of evidence of the awareness of the idea of paradox in Romeo and Juliet. There are metaphorical paradoxes. Mm. They find themselves in a paradoxical mm. situation. And there's the paradox of fate versus free will, which yes. is, again, yep. a really core theme once you start delving into it. Absolutely. comes out through the language, but also through the story and the events that occur. And so it's wonderful, I think, if we use that opportunity to get that really rich and dense material into the minds of the students mm. before you start looking at more contemporary examples of it. I agree. I think... And I mean, I know that you start with Shakespeare with a couple of your classes, and as do I. Um, the foundation that it lays for the rest of the year and the ability to hook back into that text throughout the year and, and to link it to those more modern, um, some people might say relevant, texts, mm. um, I think it just provides such a strong platform for that. Yes, I think the word relevant's another one of my trigger words, actually. Yes, I think <laughs> it is. I saw your face when I said it, and I was like... I, 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 the, this notion of um, contemporary relevance really does, mm. it troubles me. I struggle a lot with this notion that the idea of, say, fate versus free will, which arises in Romeo and Juliet, is not a relevant concern for a human being in society today. Know. You know, are we in control of our actions or is there some kind of external force that controls that us? It, yeah. What's the nature of time? Are things predetermined or are we, are we making our own determination? Mm. How much uh, ability do we have to direct our own lives? I, I can't see how that's not relevant. And I, know. I And I think that, you know, dealing with those things in the context of something sophisticated like a literary text not only allows them to explore other dimensions of how it's communicated, the language and the, the form of, of drama, but also it allows them to think of it in terms that are abstracted from yes, their own life. that's where I was going to go with this So too. that they can actually <laughs> think about it in relation to others and think yes. about it as a... As a, as a concept as opposed to having to always derive concepts from their from, practical experience. Yeah, absolutely. I also just think that reading a Shakespearean play should be something that our, our students just experience. That, like it, His work is such a cornerstone, it's such a foundation of our history and our culture in the Western world, I guess. And yeah. I just think that having, a, having an understanding of of the fact that some of our ideas come from these places is really important. Well, there's also that cultural capital idea which is becoming quite important to some people, which is acknowledging that if people have access to similar core texts and knowledge, then they are able to enter into a conversation in society mm. because they've got that basis that they can share mm. with others and it allows them to bring those conversations forward. I had a parent at um, parent-teacher interviews this year who, and I, I I mean, I, I'm sure you've had a few as well, um, who just sort of, I say, oh, we're studying Romeo and Juliet, or we're doing King Lear, and they say, well, why? What's the point? How's that going to help my child in, here's the trigger, the real world? And I just, um, I, I often reflect on, on the fact that maybe those parents haven't had a great experience with texts like this, or they don't have, they didn't get the chance to study them, like, maybe our kids do so they don't see that connection mm. I, I don't know what, what are your thoughts around that rather than trying to figure out why it is that the 
parent might not value it, I guess it's probably just good to think about what is valuable about yes. it. And I was yeah. having the same conversation with our careers advisor here at school, who I work with as a co-dean of Year 13. And she talks about how in the world of careers advisors, there's a lot of discussion about how schools don't do necessarily an excellent job <laughs> at making students employable. And Ready for that real world. And in relation to the real world. And I keep thinking for a start, this is the real world. We're in the real world. And our I classroom's keep, very real. And the conversation that I have with her is that, you know, she wants to make sure that students, and rightly so, are able to do things like produce a CV by the time they leave school so that they can present themselves as, an, as a potential employee to mm. a prospective employer. And I consider that my role as a teacher is absolutely to ensure that they have the capacity to produce a CV. But the difference is I don't think that producing a CV is the end point for the work that I do. Yeah. And I find that if we think of that as the purpose of school, that that's an incredibly impoverished view of what school is for. Absolutely. Because if after 13 years of education, if the only things you can do are to produce decent CVs and write effective letters... You're probably not going to go then anywhere. Well, there's a lot that's been... There's a lot missing. missing. <laughs> <laughs> a lot, not just in terms of what you can do as an employee in functional terms, but mm. also in terms of your development mm. as a human being. Because mm. actually what employers want, and having been an employer in the private sector myself... I'm confident in my ability to state this, is people who are ethical, yes. people who can make judgments in complex situations, people with interpersonal skills that allow them to be able to navigate complex, uh, sometimes conflicting scenarios, people who are able to speak up and also know the appropriate forms of language to use in various different yes. situations. Yeah. Those kind of very sophisticated, thoroughgoing, yeah. nuanced things are available in literature. Absolutely. And I also, I just, I think being able to develop humans who think critically about the world around them is possibly a, like the number one th job for me. Like that's yeah. what I want my students to get when they come into my classroom. And I think that giving them this um, lens to do it through is, again, it's that level of ab abstraction. And so they're able to look at not just a text, but a situation and think about it in a slightly removed way as well. There's that side of it for me that's too. That's right. And that's actually, I mean, that underpins the design of our micro-credentialing yes. system in that we have introduced this reasoning component. Yes. We're, we're talking about education not just being about acquiring knowledge, not just being about developing skills, but actually de developing the capacity to think critically. And, and to use that knowledge and the skills that you've picked up in the appropriate and accurate, I guess, is maybe a word I'd like to use, manner. Yeah, so, uh, and, and those, you know, using, I agree, using accuracy and reasoning, yeah. whether it's the logic of maths or the um, metonymy of English, mm. is a hugely important outcome that I think is sometimes hidden underneath the, the, the curriculum design that yes. we currently have. Yeah. Bringing it to the surface allows us to think more carefully about how it is that we're developing it and whether it's given the attention that I think it deserves. Absolutely, yeah, no. Um, the other thing, just last thing I guess, about something that I think is really important that comes from reading a challenging text like any of Shakespeare's work is that a, like that development of perseverance of not 
like of having to just sort of keep chugging and keep finding ways around the language um, and, and the ideas to, to make sense of it. I think that's so valuable. And oh. I think they get that from, from our classrooms when we read something like Romeo and Juliet. Or that's right. It's the Macbeth. satisfaction you get from yeah. achieving something that's difficult. I mean, often when people in parent interview situations say, why Romeo and Juliet? I say, well, because it's beautiful and because it's difficult. Yes, that's what I, that's, yeah, that's it, the area it, I go to too. Good for us to, to put in front of the students challenges that are difficult. Absolutely. So that they That's actually really grow. have to test themselves against those yeah. things. It's it's not a good idea to always just give them, you know, if, if their future is going to involve walking to the shops to do their shopping and going home again, that doesn't mean that I shouldn't ask them to run sometimes. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It, it's, it, yeah. The, the relevance of it is that they're developing themselves in relation to this text, mm. not that the text itself has to reflect the realities of their life but I have to keep I mean I keep arguing with myself here because I think that these texts <laughs> do, do reflect their realities like but they're the, yeah. they're the deeper realities I agree I think I think as English teachers we, we keep coming back to them because their themes are universal and timeless and they just consistently deal with ideas that our students need to be exposed to in order to to really understand themselves in the world around them. Yes, and I think you know we were talking about the issues of misogyny in society mm. in Elizabethan England. Well, we also have issues of that kind in our society Absolutely. now. And uh, we're not saying that the ones that are contemporary are not as relevant to the kids, but I actually think that you need to look at these things as an abstract before you can actually deal with them well yes. in the concrete, in the, co- yes, in the reality of today. Yeah. And I think you know we'll, we'll, we will be, as English teachers, having conversations about the semiotics of a ball dress. And in, in doing that and having that conversation, we need to be able to make reference to other judgments that mm. students might have made about the role of women in society and how circumscribed they are yes. and and I think that allows us to have a, lang- a kind of a language for that conversation mm. that allows the kids to actually start to think for themselves about the implications of the choices they make and the influences that are on them mm. so it is about relevance Agreed. but in a much more sophisticated way than it might be to say uh, let's do a story a, a love story between teenagers oh. set in the local Township. So let's do The Fault in Our Stars. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's the text that jumped to mind. <laughs> right. I, I haven't read it or seen it or whatever you do with it. You can <laughs> Is do it a both book? with I it. <laughs> <laughs> you can do both okay. with it. It's in, no, yeah. it was in the book room. I don't know that it is anymore. Um, so I've got my year 10 English class in about one minute and <laughs> and in that we'll be carrying on with our Romeo and Juliet project. But I thought it would be worth us saying that um, this stuff we talk about, each of us has a website for each of our classes. If you're mm. interested in investigating how we do approach these texts and the, the kind of ideas that we develop through the reading and analysis of the texts then by all means have a look at our websites and look at not only in those can you see the work that the students are being presented with but you also get to see the students work because they all have blogs of their own as well it's all connected it's um it's i love the blogging system yeah it's become a real passion for me to do and maybe maybe since we're still you know you know the class is still a minute away let's um the one the one thing that we also wanted to discuss a little bit was perhaps just the state of our profession in relation to teacher autonomy and professionalism mm. we we belong to a mailing list of teachers <laughs> nationally and we sort of observe passively the conversations yeah. that go on on that mailing list for english teachers and 
Sometimes we feel sadness for the degree to which teachers almost appear to be institutionalized. Yeah, they, they, they seem to be driven by concerns around um, NCEA national assessment mm. and credits that are achieved from that. And the, the 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 notion of a radical idea seems to be something like you know a creditless first term so and like, i'm thinking like no formal no, final yeah. summative assessment in the first term of the year and i'm thinking that's how we all operate here we, yeah. none of us are going to have completed any formal nca assessment in the first term or well, haven't read three I haven't yet read three acts of a play <laughs> and it nearly is the end of the term. And I, I guess you do have to have security in yourself and yeah, confidence you in yourself and be in an environment where you, where you have colleagues who support you yes. in order to break away from the very instrumental approach to education which seems to have crept into our profession. I agree. I think I think that it comes from the top of your department and I think and, and it, like the confidence to be able to... Um, to, to, to operate where you're not doing any formal summative assessment in that first term. Um, and I think we're very lucky that we have that, that environment here as well. Yeah, so I thought what we might do in our next podcast, or even as an adjunct to this one, depending on time, yeah. is just talk through a little bit what we do with a Shakespearean play. Cool. And allow, just so people can get an idea as to what it is we are trying to achieve and how we think we can achieve it. We could perhaps use the two plays that we teach in the more senior levels of the school and it would be very interesting for us to hear back from anyone who's listening to get your impression and feedback and critique of the approach we're taking. Yeah, absolutely. Or concerns about the, um, any misgivings you might have about it as well. That sounds like fun. So since my class is about to walk into the room, (laughs) we might phone that into each other. I think that's a great idea. All right, lovely. Bye. See ya. As it turns out, time got the better of us, and instead of doing that this week, we decided to give Liz Breslin all the time she needed to explain students in the community. And instead, we'll talk about our Shakespearean programs next week. As we talked about earlier, we have Liz Breslin in with us to have a conversation about students in the community. Liz is a colleague of ours. She works in our school running this program, and she's also an author. I think I should turn it over to you, though, Liz. What is Students in the Community? So it's a program that's been running at school for more than 20 years. Um, Essentially, it's about students in the community, which is why it's got its name, but how the students are in the community is like how they choose to volunteer volunteer their time volunteer their talents and just kind of get involved at all community levels so it started off how they had to do specific projects and placements in the community projects being one-off things like events and placements being longer term things like visits to people in the old folks home or going and hanging out with a sports team or that kind of thing. Um, How it's evolved over the years is that all those lines between projects and placements have kind of gone by the wayside and it's just the responsibility of the students really to think what what is my community here in the Upper Clutha and and how can I make a positive impact on it and then that seems to come out in regular visits to people or in or in all the events that they can get involved in or just things they can create themselves if they feel so inclined. I know I had a student last year, Sam Copeland, who worked with me on our triathlon club. Yeah, Sam's epic. He spent hours and hours working with us, but it never appeared like he was doing it 
as a project he was just fully yeah. involved in our club and, and just gave us his time and energy because he seemed passionate about it I think that's the that's the thing you're talking about isn't it yeah and what you sometimes find is that there are students who um, are doing it all along and would do it anyway and although students in the community is is unique to the to the college that the it's just a way of recognizing what those people are already doing I mean Sam would have done that whether or not he got a tick in the students in the community book or not um, but for some students who haven't ever volunteered their time or got involved it's kind of like an extra an extra push an extra pull an extra sort of signal for hey you know come on and try this in a safe environment like what, what do you want to do so yeah works at all ends of that spectrum Kim have you got some examples of um, outcomes of the project from your point of view that have made it meaningful that you think make it worthwhile you mean outcomes like things that have materially happened for people or like just I, I, that would be for you to say okay so i mean sometimes it can be sometimes i notice students are more confident in themselves when they've been involved in any volunteering activities i i'm always struck by Okay, so last year there were a few students in their feedback and their comment was, I, I felt confident to spend an hour with someone without looking at my phone. Actually, that's, that's a huge thing for them to take into their lives. Um, yeah, that was a, that's a big one for them, it seems. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I actually think that when any of us get involved in something in a voluntary capacity, it brings something to us, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think that, like the thought that you are doing something that is bigger than yourself is a really grounding thought as well in a year where they have to spend so much time thinking about themselves and their next moves and, you know, they have quite a lot of individual pressures, whether like internal or external on them, and so to... I don't know if it dissipates it exactly, but it, it broadens their focus, and I think that is very useful for us as people to experience that. Yeah, and of course these are year 13, so in their final year yeah. of school, it is a, another one of those steps outside the campus, isn't it? It's a help, mm. helping them to develop independent relationships with people in the community, mm. and, as well as a sense for who they are. I think it's also good for those people in the community you know the links back with the students and with the school because we as as communities have perceptions about what students are like you know and to form individual relationships with students or to have them sort of helping out in the big melee of, of people in events and whatever helps you check those perceptions as well and sort of uh, the buzzword they they talk about in community stuff is intergenerational understanding. Like this mm. project is is wickedly good for intergenerational understanding. Mm. Yeah. I always think that's one of the um, wonderful aspects of being a teacher that is possibly not laboured upon, but actually just getting to spend time with young people on a regular basis. Oh heck yeah! It's one of the greatest joys of the job. Yeah, and a lot of people don't get that access. Do yeah, they? absolutely. And I think there is that. Yeah, there is definitely that benefit from it that it, it breaks down the age barriers as well as, you know, some mm. of the others. Yeah. 
In terms of the fact that, it, although the, the students are essentially compelled to do this volunteering, they're asked to do a certain yeah. amount of volunteering throughout the year. Do you do you have any? Do you feel there's any moral compromise in that volunteering? You know, if we just look at the definition of the word as happens of a person's volition. Yet yeah. we set up a program which creates at least some. Uh, expectation that they choose to volunteer that's a there's a sort of oxymoronic yeah, yeah, statement yeah they're voluntold or yeah, something like yeah yeah does that does that problematic for you um yes and no i think it, it depends on the focus that you you take on it at the moment i'm really happy with where it is that the acceptance that all i can do is encourage people to do it put all the opportunities in front of them and if you know if there are one or two people who who are really not going to do it then i'm not going to i'm not going to affect change by m- making them do it because what i want is for people to discover that volunteering is is a grand thing to do mm. and that in, in and by making people do that you you sort of take away from it. I think there's a difference between setting an expectation and valuing something, and and you know, chasing the bottom line. And it's yeah. where I choose to spend my energy. I think is yeah. celebrating the ones who do do it. Which does fit the whole philosophy of our Year Thirteen team. Absolutely. And, which is a thing about paying attention to the things that we're looking for. And, yeah. And and we have seen even in the time we've been working together over the last essentially nine months that the more we pay attention to something we the more we get it yeah it seems to work in a quite a pure way with young people absolutely and I think they they know when they're being they know when they're being treated well like that and I think they appreciate us looking for the good Mm. in them and Mm. yeah so that seems to me to be an opportunity to introduce the idea of credentialing volunteerism and so one of the things that Liz just for everyone's interest is opted into is she's taken the role of being one of the team who's going to contemplate the B aspect of the badge Mm. system and and look at across the school not just in year 13 at how we might be able to provide acknowledgement in quite a structured way for acts of altruism essentially yeah volunteering or otherwise within the school um so that there's a way i think is of extending and formalizing which does have its mm-hmm. downsides the process of of validating or valuing the things that kids do that yeah. are good for others yeah do you think that um in doing that and in, in creating credentials there could be some problems that might arise i mean Yes, because whenever you're formalising a process, then there's always going to be outliers to that, isn't there? Mm. But, I, uh, I mean, in general, I think it's going to be very helpful to investigate that process. And then, I mean, the flip side is that for people who do find it problematic to volunteer for whatever reason in, in their life, then there will be a very clear process and a very clear focus of what what the steps could look like and then what where do the barriers lie in those steps Mm. you know so I think having that laid out like that could could be useful 
Yes, and I also think, of course, they, like all the other credentials, the students in most cases will be able to opt in to achieving Absolutely. them. Absolutely. So it will be up to them. And I, I like the idea from a point of view of the kind of big scheme of us having the kind of information that you could literally use to identify correlations between mm-hmm. action in one area, say volunteerism, mm-hmm. and outcomes in other areas. So for example, self-management or relationships with people in the classroom or even more, even the kind of formally measured achievement outcomes in the classroom. For all we know, once we start providing a, me- a, a structured credential system, we could see strong connections between those things. Definitely. Like, it's my sense that they, they are all interrelated. Mm. Yeah. And I also think that the, it's certainly it's our intention that by placing value on something like altruism, we're um, saying that it is something that we consider to be important mm. and that we consider to take priority perhaps over other things that don't have credentials attached, which could, if it elevates that status, state, that personal state, then it may also influence the young people in their development. They may develop in that direction more. Absolutely. I think even, even naming altruism as a thing in people's lives is... Mm. has an important effect because for some people I mean maybe it's not in their general dinner time conversation you know and they've not come across it and here is a place where where they can see this in in a way that they can understand and access it as well yes and now that you're starting to talk about discourse I think it's probably important to bring up a a domain of your work where you speak often about the conversation and how important that is. Do you want to expand on that a bit? Uh, The conversation and also the story. Like the, the, I mean, so I, how to say it, like, so I think that the story we tell ourselves and we tell other people about ourselves is, is, just fundamental it's like how we create ourselves if you like so the 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 conversation I guess that we we have and how how we tell each other what we're doing and about what we've been doing all like yeah makes you the person you are is that the is that where we're going with this? Is, I mean, it, well, my question is to you: Is that where you're going with this? Is well, that's what that's one of the that's one of the ways. So, in the program, you know, I mean, there's there's certificates anyway, and students in the community for like different levels of recognition. But to to get your distinction certificate, which is where you you get to stand up at prize giving and walk across the stage and shake someone's hand, which is huge, huge for some people because that's part of their story, you know, that that's mm. what success looks like. For, for us to offer a distinction certificate, I have to be really s- strong in the knowledge of they know the story that they're, they're telling about their volunteering and the, the, the conversation we hold about that story is, is strong. You know, all of those things... Yeah, tie in. So that's interesting. I think it's interesting that one of the criteria for distinction is being able to engage in the narrative of the of the, of the volunteering, talking yeah. about the work, the impact it might have had on them as an individual, or the effect that it may have had on others. Yeah. That that becomes part of the criteria because when we're thinking about micro credentials, it's yeah. important that we think about criteria. Absolutely. You, you could 
conceivably make it numerical and say this many hours of volunteer work gets you this credential. But as you're suggesting, I think it appears that there are other aspects of volunteering that we want to see in terms of outcomes for the volunteer that can only be determined if they're able to engage in some kind of narrative around it. Absolutely, because you can... Um uh, I mean, you, you can kick your heels for an hour in a car park and that is genuine volunteering and someone needs to be kicking their heels in the car park for an hour, but, but why you're kicking your heels in the car park and what the bigger picture is, is, is yeah, yeah, is what you want to see for, for personal growth or satisfaction or just like, yeah, personal narrative in, mm. in that area. And I, I, another thing that interests me about that is that while we're talking about B badges, it may be that um, there might be a credential that fits more into the abstract conceptual area of mm-hmm. assessment that has to do with the impact of volunteering, which mm-hmm. could be kind of an ethnographic response to their own work. How how what kind of social impact does volunteering have? Yeah. And they could, and the ability to articulate that could be yeah. the thing that's being um, assessed, which, and again, could come within the domain of a variety of credentials in volunteering, yeah. and it's a particular, particular aspect of it, like the best narrative. Yeah. I want to be clear, though, like when I'm saying narrative and articulate it, I don't mean, you know, in kind of like a... a, a that you've got to use great language to be, mm. you know, I don't mean articulate on that level. Like, so some people this year are talking about um, doing an Instagram story to illustrate yep. what it is they're doing in terms of a beach cleanup, for example. Mm. You, it could be a visual articulation like that, yep. or they don't, uh, it's not necessarily to be an articulate speaker in order to be able to yep. articulate that. I think that's quite an important distinction to get across. I agree with those distinctions. Yeah. But I would also add to the conversation that I think if the person chose to use an excellent visual means mm. or spoke or wrote about their volunteering and it was quality, mm. then that could be credentialed too. Absolutely. No, uh, absolutely. I agree. I, I agree. I, yeah. I, I mean separately. Yeah. I mean that thing could actually acquire a number of credentials mm-hmm. depending on what it, through what lens you were looking at it Mm. and that that this conversation we're having now is essentially the starting conversation for your journey with credentialing absolutely yeah and um and and obviously it's premature to ask for anything formal so i'd like to finish there and with my final question which is what are you reading um so it's called something like some, something Big Brother, Banishing Big Brother, Bashing Big Brother. It's about the Feminist Five in China. It's got a yellow cover with red writing on it. It's, right. Yeah, non-fiction about feminism in China. Proper good bedtime read. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. This was an episode of See Me After Class with Renee and Chris. My Twitter handle is at edutronic underscore net. And mine is at Renee Plunkett too. See you next week.